0: hey everyone welcome to making music with jake haas the podcast all about the creative process of writing and recording music it's now september and summer's wrapping up hope you've had a good summer certainly been a busy one for me i've played quite a few shows including some weddings and i've also been working on some new songs for an album and have some new podcast episodes in the pipeline so stay tuned for both of those things i also recently got back from an awesome trip to nashville including a stop in memphis It was my first time going, so I thought I'd break things up from the usual format of this podcast and talk about some of the things my wife and I saw and did while we were there and sprinkle in some music along the way. So, I came up with a top ten list, so let's start the countdown in order of least to most of how much I enjoy each of these things. I'll post pictures and videos of all the stuff on my website, jakehaas.com, so check that out. Okay, so here we go. Number ten. Beale Street. This is a famous trip in Memphis known for the live blues music played inside its many clubs. Over the years, it's hosted several famous acts like Louis Armstrong, Muddy Waters, and B.B. King, to name a few. And the combination of all the different musicians who played here helped develop the style known as the Memphis blues. When we showed up, it was in the afternoon, so there wasn't a lot of music happening besides a, a really awesome blues band playing outdoors. Uh, we did hang out inside a shop called A. Schwab, which was sort of a curiosity shop variety store. They had an old-fashioned ice cream and soda bar with homemade gelato. So we had uh, banana pudding gelato, which was really delicious. Overall, I can't say I was crazy about Beale Street. It felt a little bit touristy and also kind of gritty with uh, things kind of run down and some of the stores boarded up and we weren't sure how safe it was to be there. And this was one of the last things we did on our trip and we were pretty tired. So we went back to our hotel before the evening show started. So we probably didn't give it a fair shot, but it was still nice to check it out. Here's a little BB king for you to get in the Memphis mood. The thrill is gone. It's gone away from me. The thrill is gone. Babe. The thrill is gone away from me. Oh, no, still- Number nine. Belmont Mansion. This is an historic antebellum southern style 19,000 square foot mansion built in 1853 by the wealthy Adalacia Acklin along with her husband Joseph. At one point Adalacia was the wealthiest woman in Tennessee and spared no expense decorating her home as lavishly as possible. The mansion housed a large collection of European art including several marble statues as well as uh, custom built furniture, several large marble fireplaces and stained glass windows containing actual gold. Eventually, the mansion and the state were donated and turned into a college that evolved into present-day Belmont University. It was a blast to tour the mansion and mix things up with some historical things on our music trip. Number 8 Graceland This is the famous Memphis home of Elvis Presley. He purchased it in 1957 pretty early on in his career right after he had the hits Heartbreak Hotel and Hound Dog. Over the years he made additions to the space like adding a swimming pool, a detached office for his business dealings, a racquetball room, and a large trophy room for all his awards, which brought the square footage from about 10,000 to 17,000. After he died they opened the home up for tours and kept things pretty much how they were in the late 1970s, including the the really colorful retro wallpaper and jungle-themed shag carpet in some areas. The upstairs where he died was closed off to visitors, and his grave is also located on the state. The audio of the tour was narrated by John Stamos, who, as you may know, played Uncle Jesse, a huge Elvis fan, on the TV show Full House. I thought it was kind of a fun touch. Across the street, they had a large museum which housed his car collection, his many jumpsuits, gold records, and many, many other pieces of memorabilia. I'm not a huge Elvis fan, but I still had a blast learning about him and seeing all the people and things that surrounded his life. Number 7 Broadway this is a famous stretch of town known for live music at the many honky-tonk bars and restaurants located here. Many of them have neon signs reminiscent of old-school Las Vegas. In fact, people sometimes describe it with the term Nash Vegas because of the neon signs but also the touristy party vibe found here. In fact, we walked past several different groups of girls in matching t-shirts having bachelorette parties. It's quite a sight. Despite this, it's still a great site for music. You can walk from place to place and hear some kind of country music going on all day long. We mostly hung out at a famous spot called Robert's Western World and heard some amazing fast-picking tunes. We also stepped inside a few shops that sold country boots and hats and a few gift shops. It was fun, but it got to be sensory overload after a while, so I'd recommend doing it in small doses. Here's one of the acts we saw while we were at Broadway, Rochelle Hester. Number six, eating barbecue ribs. We asked around for places to get good barbecue in Nashville and two of the spots that we ended up going to were Martin's and Peg Lake Porker. The ribs at both these spots were delicious. If I had to choose which one I liked better, I would probably pick Martin's. The meat was a little more tender and had a really nice smoky flavor. Their barbecue sauce is really unique in that it was very thin and heavy in vinegar. It caught me off guard at first, but I really liked trying a different flavor. As far as sides, I think I liked Peg Leg Porker a little better. I had mac and cheese and baked beans and they were both awesome. Really flavorful and the cheese was really gooey. At Martin's I also had Pecan Pie, which was probably the best I've ever had. Really tasty. My wife and I each liked our slice of pie so much, we both ordered another one to go for our bus ride to Memphis. So overall, great food. I'd recommend either one of those spots if you're ever in town. Number five, the DIY Musicians Conference. This event is put on each year by CD Baby and is one of the main reasons we came to Nashville, along with seeing all the other things on this list. The presentations talked about topics for musicians like marketing your music, tips for creating YouTube videos, vocal technique, getting your songs on Spotify playlists, songwriting exercises, creating a more entertaining live show, and so on. I came away with a notebook full of ideas and things to work on. Here's a few of my main takeaways. Success is very much about building relationships. This could be with fans, with fellow musicians, with people in the industry. One person suggested taking 20 minutes each day to build relationships with people you admire and to not ask them for a favor until you've known them for two years. Approach it from a place of authenticity and how you can be of service to them opposed to trying to just use other people for your gain. Another takeaway regarding live shows was to create moments. By that I mean that as a performer you are trying to get your audience to feel something, to to feel an emotion. Throughout your set you want to try to tap into as many of those different emotional moments as you can. It could mean creating a good group for your audience to dance to, or adding extended guitar solos for more excitement, or getting the audience to sing and clap along so they feel like part of something bigger, or telling stories about the song so your audience has a better connection to the words. Whatever it is, try to create moments. One last takeaway is to make sure you have an overall vision of where you want to be and set weekly goals and tasks to help you get there. One of the speakers spoke about self-sabotage and how often we get in our own way with our thoughts about not being good enough or getting overwhelmed. She suggested identifying what slows you down and changing the story, meaning look at it from a different attitude and focusing on the good things that are working and build off of those. So those are my takeaways. Some of the speeches from the conference are available on YouTube, so I'll link to those on my website. Number four. The Grand Old Opry. This Nashville institution was started in 1925 as a weekly concert and radio show. Known as the show that made country music famous, it's hosted early country stars like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, and Patsy Cline, and pretty much every single country artist you've ever heard of since. Each concert operates something like a variety show where each artist performs two songs, often with the same backing band. I was surprised with the amount of different country styles I heard from fast-picking bluegrass to folk rock to piano ballads, to a more traditional mainstream country type of sound. I loved all the music I heard, but my favorites from that night were a group called the Wild Feathers. Here's a clip of their song, The Ceiling. Who you talk to? Number three, Sun Studio. This is a famous studio in Memphis where, among others, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, and Jerry Lee Lewis all recorded. Originally called Memphis Recording Service, it was started by Sam Phillips in 1950 and became the place where the artists on that label, Sun Records, recorded. If you've seen the movie Walk the Line about Johnny Cash, they filmed scenes from the movie in the studio where they actually occurred in real life. Sam ran the studio until 1960 when he upgraded to a larger space and the building was taken over by businesses who used it for other things. In 1987, the building was turned back into a studio and luckily the part of the building used as a studio was largely untouched over the years in between. They give tours during the day, which we went on, and in the evening have recording sessions, which I was tempted to do myself but couldn't make it work. Maybe next time. While on the tour, I got to hold and talk into one of the mics they originally used in the studio, which they believe was used by Elvis and many other famous musicians who recorded here. There's a picture of it on my website. Here's a clip of Elvis' first hit, That's Alright Mama, recorded at Sun Studio. Well, that's alright, mama. That's alright for you. That's alright, mama. Just any way you do, that's alright. That's alright. Number 2 The Bluebird Cafe Started back in 1982, this legendary intimate space is a place for songwriters to showcase their latest work. It's not a particularly remarkable or historic building. It's located outside of downtown on an ordinary strip mall next to a dry cleaner's and a gas station but many, many artists and songwriters have been discovered here from Garth Brooks back in the 80s to more recently Taylor Swift. It's been heavily featured on the TV show Nashville, and with only 90 seats, it's incredibly difficult to get tickets. To give you an idea, I'll tell you about our attempt to get in. Tickets go on sale on their website each Monday morning at 8 a.m. for the shows happening that week. I went on the website 15 minutes before that, and I pushed a button to buy tickets, and I was put in a queue. By 8.05, When my term came up, all the tickets were sold out for that week. They do, however, leave about 12 seats open for first-come, 1st serve on the night of the show, as well as give up the seats of people who don't show up. So, on Thursday night, when we flew in, we took a taxi from the airport straight to the Bluebird Cafe. We got in the standby line and waited for about an hour and a half, and uh, we were a couple people short of getting in. Since we really wanted to see a show at the Bluebird, we came back on Saturday as early as we could and waited in line for two hours this time. And luckily, we barely got in. We were the very last two people they let in, and they had to sit us on separate tables, but we were just really glad to get in, so it didn't matter. Most of the shows that happen to the Bluebird are what they call in the round, which means that a group of songwriters sit in the middle of the room and take turns playing songs and telling stories. This was the format of the show we saw, which included Michael Logan, Billy Montana, Alyssa Feffian, and another person whose name I didn't catch. They were all very seasoned, established songwriters, some younger, some older, and I was really impressed with the depth and quality of the songs they played. It was so awesome and definitely worth all the effort and waiting to see the show. Here's a clip of the Michael Logan song, Ready or Not. I you say in your phrase is the end? But don't be so sure You swear you'll never care that much again Life for oh. finally, my number one highlight from my Nashville trip... Third Man Records. This is a record label in store started by Jack White of the White Stripes back in 2009. The decor is very retro with almost everything in yellow and black. They specialize in vinyl records and sell a lot of Jack White's music along with other albums and singles the label puts out. But one of the really interesting and unique things you can do while you're there is to lay down a song in their vintage vinyl record booth. I learned that it was built back in the 1940s and was used for people to create voice messages to send back home, particularly soldiers abroad. You put your money in and it gives you 2 minutes and 20 seconds to record and it spits out a 6 inch vinyl record almost right away. This booth is one of the few operating ones left in existence. Neil Young used it to record an entire album a few years ago, and many other famous artists have come through to record a song on it, including Willie Nelson, Eddie Vedder, and Weezer, to name a few. My wife and I had the privilege of recording a couple songs in the booth with a loaner guitar owned by Jack White, if you can believe that. Here's one of the songs we recorded called Eye of the Storm. Once I doubt it, I think we need to talk about it. So well, that's our show this week. Remember to head over to the podcast section of my website, jcoz.com, to see pictures from my trip to Nashville, as well as the full versions of the songs I shared. You'll also find a link to Patreon where you can support this podcast by pitching in a dollar per month. Follow the Facebook page for Making Music with Jay Cos to stay up to date, but most of all, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a review so we can get a bump in the rankings. I'd also like to add that if you're a musician working on songs and would like some feedback, I'd be happy to give my input shoot me a message from the contact section of jcos.com and I'll feature your song on a future episode and give my feedback. Or I can give it to you privately if you prefer it that way. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.